it, it all came back to servicing my clients. Uh, and it came to a point where, um, there was too much, too much indirection, um, too many entities that were, were within the channels of uh, my inability to service my clients. So it came to a place to where I was calling X, Y, and Z, having to get on the phone with all these different, you know, um, entities or uh, customer service departments or retention departments. And to a point where I literally could not give my clients a real answer and they were leaving on service, you know, from, from the things I was trying to help them with. Uh, so when it came to that place and, you know, even speaking with my management teams and looking at solutions of how we could better service our clients in corporate America, it just gets so lost so fast. So from that point, it literally was one day where I just, I, it was multiple times, but just one day where they're like, no, nope, we can't do anything. You got to call this department. You got to call this department. You got to do this. And I said, you know what, if you guys can't help me service my clients anymore, I can't work for you. Welcome to the Millennials and Money Podcast, the podcast dedicated to encourage millennials to continue to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and wealth advisor, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share their money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, so what's going on, guys? I'm here with a very special guest, Mr. James Kimo Zamora. Uh, he's a great friend of mine. He's a real estate agent. Him and I go way back. Say what's up, Kimo. How's it going, everybody? Uh, thank you for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on. So I'm going to allow you in a second here to introduce yourself. Let me just start by sharing how you and I know each other. Now, Kimo, we go back about 15, 20 years now. Um, the listeners know that I used to do some boxing back in the day, and you and I met when I was still in the amateurs. You came by the gym. We started working out together, and since then we've kind of been running oh, par- since then we've kind of been running parallel ever since man um i hopped into corporate america doing sales you hopped into corporate america doing sales i hopped into uh finance and started doing financial planning you hopped into real estate and that's where we both are today so that's as far as you and i go back i want to tell the people who you are and some of what you do my man absolutely and again thank you for having me uh, my name is james kimo zamora uh, Kimo does mean James. I am a licensed realtor in Hawaii as well. So all of California and Hawaii, we do operate. Um, I um, started my uh, ventures in real estate about three years ago uh, while I was working in corporate America, as uh, Peyton was saying. Um, found a lot of opportunity in just following my fundamentals and research and um, was able to utilize my um, information to really grow my real estate business. So I was able to leave corporate America about a year and a half ago and go full uh, fledged into my real estate um, business. Um, so about again, a year and a half ago, uh, started JRZ Realty Group LLC under the blanketed corporation of Capital Realty Center. Um, and we've just been doing really amazing things, uh, helping first time buyers to commercial, um, to residential, to pretty much everything I've touched in, in, in real estate at this point, new developments, um, anything you could pretty much think of. Uh, and again, the most important thing as well is where we are all, uh, California. So I really try to operate within all boundaries of California and Hawaii, um, but as we continue to operate and you know expand outside of those landscapes, um, just really uh, trying to figure out the best way to really service our clients. That's awesome, man. It's awesome. You know, it's been a pleasure to see you grow and just you're you're just a go getter, man. That's just who you are, who you've always been. You're someone who sees the prize and uh, sees sees the goal and goes after it. So I really respect that about you, and I appreciate you coming and sharing that on the podcast, man. It's that boxer <laughs> mentality, right? That's right, man. So this Millennials uh, and Money podcast, 
it's all about money. It's all about encouraging people to continue to make wise decisions with money. And, you know, through my experience, I've found that sometimes those, uh, majority of the time, those cornerstones, the foundation around the mindset around money gets set in place at, young, at a young age, at, at home. Of course, they can always change, but that's kind of where those cornerstones get put in place. So let's kind of talk, let's go back there. What was money like in your household growing up, Kimo? Yeah, so um, money, I think, has always been uh, one of those conversations to where, um, you know, families find money as being a pinnacle and something that's really the middle of their um, homes and their lifestyles. Uh, growing up for us, it wasn't necessarily that case. But my parents both uh, did work, um, you know, full-time jobs. Uh, there was a point, at, you know, my, my dad worked, uh, you know, pretty well and, and my mom got to stay home and, you know, help, kind of help with the family. But, um, you know, there was always questions about finances and uh, even the idea of, you know, going to school and, and really focusing on, you know, financing. Um, it was, it's more, always been more important to understand, you know, getting a good job and, and just being responsible versus understanding the value of money and what it actually does for you. So again, um, I think like you were just saying earlier, it goes from kind of the mentality that you had to the mentality where we are now. And especially for the entrepreneurial aspect, um, we really see money in a different manner uh, when you're actually building it rather than chasing it. Um, so that's uh, one of the ways I really acknowledge that. Um, I know we've all read really you know good books and uh, some of my favorite people like Dave Ramsey or um, is it Nagasaki? I'm trying to remember. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Robert I, Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki, excuse me. And, uh, um, and, you know, a lot of these great, you know, ideas, um, I think that I've kind of picked from each and every place to really give myself the best benefit of um, my financial landscape. Yeah, no, that, that that's good. And I think that's kind of how it is for majority of the, us as millennials. You know, our parents were the baby boomers. Our parents are kind of like, they instilled in us, especially in the minority community, like where you and I come from, they instilled in us work ethic, you know, work hard, grind and make money, earn money for your family and support the things that you want. But they didn't talk about the money management side. And that was something that I think, I think that's something that's lacking a lot of households of the millennial clients I have. Like it's, we're still kind of learning on our own. Like you said, you did a lot of reading, you did, you, the good thing is the knowledge is out there and it can be attained for those who seek it. But I think it's it's right. it's, it's kind of missing in the household for, or was missing in the household for us growing up. As, but I know you, like myself, are, we're changing that for our children as we move forward. So let's let's fast forward a bit from your childhood. Uh, let's talk about, you know, you had that worth ethic in you from a young age. What was, what was money like for you when you got a little more independent? Um, when did you kind of go on your own and become responsible for your own finances? And what was that like for you? Um, well, there's kind of two parts to that because I think that there's uh, levels of maturity uh, it takes to get to um, financial stability, um, possibly even financial success. Uh, again, when I was younger, um, I, I started my family really young. Um, I you know, was a, a single father very young. So always having that drive to make sure that certain things were always kept in place, um, you know, always just having money, um, always making sure that, you know, bills were getting paid. But that was where my finances, you know, at about, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old, I was, you know, financially responsible as an independent person. You know, I was very um, driven to, you know, leave my home very young. I was driven to, you know, start my own businesses, um, go get, you know, higher paying jobs at, you know, the my young age of 18. Uh, and, and, you know, just really just being frivolous. Um, 
being, um, you know, somewhat um, just, just, yeah, frivolous, I didn't say the best word, uh, just in not holding on to the values of, of what money could have been today as where it was then. I think the second part to that was, again, when I uh, became my own business owner and then taking 100% responsibility for all of my finances. So again, um, taking in my own income and uh, disposing that, whether it's between my own bills, assets, uh, retirements, and again, um, you know, my insurances as well. So um, that's where the second part of where my financial responsibility came into fact. And that was, you know, about a year and a half ago, I just, you know, did my first year of uh, this and it's a completely different experience and you got to make sure you budget yourself within very specific parameters, but also have money that's important to be able to reinvest as well. So you got to make sure all your buckets are filled. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it, you know, you touched on a lot there and, you know, we a bunch of transitions came on throughout your life to bring you from where you were to who you, from where you were to who you are today. And, you know, you really touched on a lot there and let's kind of Let's talk about that independence. You did become a father at a very young age. And what, what and not only do you, I don't know how open you are about having this on the podcast. I know you became a father at a young age. You also became somewhat the man of your house, of your parents' house at a young age. You lost your father very young. Correct. So what, how did that, I don't know how much in detail you want to go on that, but what was it like for you having to be the man of the house at such a young age and have your own family as well? Absolutely. So the dynamics are really tough. My son was born February 8th of 2007. My father passed away. I'm sorry, my son was born February 3rd, 2007. And my um, father passed away February 8th of 2007. So five days oh after. So it was a really tough family dynamic at the time. Um, it was a lot of stress. I was very young um, and just going through a lot of different things. Um, for me, the, I think the most important thing was, you know, rising to the occasion. I had a lot of adversity at that time even dealing with personal my relationships and all that is just, just really, really tough component. So uh, the most important thing was really stability. And uh, at that same time, 2007, the year after we had the, the big financial crash. So my family almost lost everything. And that's where I really started learning the value of real estate. We did own our home. Uh, we almost lost the home through the financial crisis in uh, back in 2008. And we were able to remodify. I saw the value of what we were able to do through the lending systems. Uh, we also saw the flaws that were caused to get us to where we were in the lending systems. So um, from there, I was able to really kind of learn what real estate looked like and from a finance standpoint as well, but also the ability to be able to utilize those different entities to maximize my opportunity to really keep my house. Uh, since then, uh, my mom has purchased a new home. I've actually purchased this home and through out over the past, you know, two years, um, just recently we did a full remodel, put about $60,000 into the home and reappraising our home right now, just with the moves that we made and the values in real estate that I do see, we've made about $250,000 in equity just over the past two years. So, um, with that, I, I really kind of got to see where I was to where I am now. And I think that's a great question to kind of really ask that from that, that standpoint of being the head of the household, it was, okay, well, at this point, there is no failure, right? And I think that's the entrepreneurial, that's the fighter, that's the champion mentality that we really, you know, harness. And at that point, I, I wasn't going to, you know, submit to anything other than giving my son the best life, making sure my mom was stable, uh, and making sure that I, I had security for my household. 
Man, that's awesome, bro. I can't even put myself in that position, nor would I want to, but it's awesome. Like you said, you rose to the occasion. You know, you're a young man, you know, you know, like me at 19, 20, you're still a kid. You're still a right. kid, but when you're faced with that um, opposition, you're forced to kind of be a, be the man of the house that young age, you got to do what you got to do to make it happen. And it's just awesome that you did that. So what what did you do? How were you able to bring in income for the, for the household? How were you able to provide for your son? How did your mom get her life back on track? What, what was that like? What was that process like? Yeah, so uh, I had always had a really good paying job. So I've uh, gone from um, sales uh, in a more of like a B2B type scenarios to uh, corporate sales. And um, when I got into corporate sales, I always did very well. I, again, always, always been very strong in, in the sales uh, workforce. And, um, from there just, again, was always able to really make a, a decent amount of, of living for my family. Um, but then also trying to find the best solutions. Right. I think that one of the conversations that I had the other day and I, I've been continuing to have is, you know, I don't, you don't, you don't, you know, go to WebMD and try to diagnose yourself, um, with, with, you know, a, a, an ailment, you go to a doctor, right. Just as the same thing is, is you don't go to court and, uh, you know, appear for yourself, you hire an attorney. And that's the same thing as, you know, understanding your finances. You want to go to a financial professional and understand your finances as well as, you know, realtor for, for real estate. So um, when, when I'm, you know, thinking about that and I'm going back to all the things that I used to try to do, I feel like we always try to take the burden of all the information. We really want to know everything. But that's one of the things at that time I was able to kind of know that I don't know everything. So let me ask the professional. So I asked a few different people as far as how we could best uh, remodify or uh, renegotiate the terms of our loan on our home. And that's where we were able to come up with a program from our actual lender to say, Hey, you can save your home by doing these type of things. So again, asking the proper questions between multiple different entities and trying to find out what's the best solution. We were able to keep our home and um, again, from, from that point, like I said, I always made really good money in the jobs that I had, but I never saved it up. You know, that money would come in and it would go out. That money would go from, from literally, you know, from my pay, my, my employer straight to my bills um, and just unnecessary stuff when I was younger, you know, and that's one of the big things I think is that maturity level. Um, I tell my son, I tell my friends, I tell, um, you know, my team and, and uh, my employees that it, it's so important that, um, we really figure out where we are now instead of waiting, you know, until that next move. Cause I feel the same way. If I would have been at 25 doing what I am now, my success would have been tenfold. No, you so say you touched on a lot there, man. I really appreciate you sharing and open up, man. Uh, and one thing you said is, you know, you were able to realize, you know, there's professionals in every area. Let me utilize them. People want to give advice. You ask somebody, Hey, what would you do if you were in my shoes? I don't care if they have no experience, they're going to try their best to help you. Like, I like to think the world we live in, people are generally good and they do want to help. And you can seek the professionals to find the right guidance and to be 19, 20 years old to, to realize, hey, you know, I know there's someone who can help me. Let me go find them and be, use that resourcefulness. That's the word that comes up to me is you're resourceful, man. And, and it paid off, paid dividends for you and your family and you're able to provide. So that's awesome, man. I'm glad you shared that. The second thing you touched on was you were, you've always made good money, but you know, when you're young making good money, it's easy to spend good money too. And you mentioned, Hey, I wish I was 
if I was where you are today when you're 25, had someone guide you in the right direction. And, you know, it's easy to kick yourself in the head and beat yourself up about not being where you could have been. But, hey, you're doing, making the right decisions now. And, and I think, I think when I, my listeners have heard me talk about before, when it comes to spending, for me, I always call it a money purpose plan. It's my fancy way of saying budget, man. It's just aligning your spending with your values. Because so many people are spending on things that they don't value, that are not important to them, that don't really bring them happiness. And, and that's where the spending habit gets, gets out of the line. And I think a lot, of, a lot of the reason that is, a lot of times people don't know, haven't took the time to share with themselves and their, their significant others and family members what it is they truly value. So I think when you're able to do that, it makes spending a whole lot easier and it makes financial planning make you a whole lot happier. So let, let's kind of let's kind of fast forward. Yeah, a bit, I agree. Man. I think that. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say is I, 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 you know, agree a hundred percent that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's people. They, I think you know, I hear this all the time, right? People say that I've tried everything, I've done it all. Like, have you really done it all? Have you really <laughs> tried to to do the things that you're really asking or the things that you really want, right? And it's writing down those things, putting together a plan, creating, you know, a vision and, and then, you know, executing on, on those things. And I think that's, you know, the clear decisiveness in any scenario, but in finances directly, right. You have to draw out a roadmap, talk to professionals and get the directions to your end goal. Yeah, that's right, man. You got the thing. The thing is, if you really, people say, they want something or they want success. I like to think of it, and most times people are saying they like that or they'd like to be successful. Because if you really want something, you can do it. You can do what you need to do to make it happen. If you're an able-bodied person with a middle school education, if you really, really, truly want something and wouldn't just like to have it, you can go get it. The, the knowledge is available. You can find what you need to do. You can talk to people you need to talk to, and you can make it happen if you really want it. So, uh, you know, when we were adults, you were working at um, in corporate America, and you were crushing it there too. You're crushing it there too. So, talk to us about a little bit about what that was like, and what ultimately led you to saying, "Hey, you know, I want bigger and better things." Because you were you were still living very comfortably, and and comfortably can be dangerous because you can get too comfortable. Like, hey, you know, this is really nice. Do I really want to take out more responsibilities? Or am I happy now? Or do I want to go after that bag? And you went after the bag. So talk to us about what that was like, what led to that decision and what that whole decision process was like. Absolutely. So, um, and I think you're, you're absolutely right again is uh, you said um, complacency, right? Comfortability brings with complacency. And I think a lot of people are stuck in that complacent aspect that um, their employer is going to pay them and, you know, you're going to get good benefits and possibly 401k and, um, you know, have, you know, some extra perks that come with the, the job. Um, for me, uh, I'm, it, it all came back to servicing my clients. Uh, and it came to a point where um, there was too much, too much indirection, um, too many entities that were, were within the channels of uh, my inability to service my clients. So, it came to a place to where I was calling X, Y, and Z, having to get on the phone with all these different, you know, um, entities or uh, customer service departments or retention departments. And to a point where I literally could not give my clients a real answer and they were leaving unserviced, you know, from, from the things I was trying to help them with. 
so when it came to that place and, you know, even speaking with my management teams and looking at solutions of how we could better service our clients in corporate America, it just gets so lost so fast. So from that point, it literally was one day where I just, I, I, there was multiple times, but just one day where they're like, no, nope, we can't do anything. You got to call this department. You got to call this department. You got to do this. And I said, you know what, if you guys can't help me service my clients anymore, I can't work for you. So I literally put my two weeks notice that day. And as I was already transitioning with my real estate corporation, um, I just said, you know what, regardless of where I'm at right now, because I did want to set myself up in a certain budget and have a certain amount of cushion in order to leave at that point. However, I left just a little bit before that, which again, it was more for my own personal well-being to know that for me, customer centric being customer first, um, available to my clients at all points. Um, it's very important for me. And that's one of the biggest things that I really pride myself on. And going back to that trust and transparency factor is, is I'm going to do everything I possibly can and communicate, uh, communicate that in a very um, effective manner to where we know exactly what the expectations are. So uh, again, um, at that point it was, it was really about servicing my clients. So I was able to leave with that, um, start my own company and, uh, well, head of my own company, but really just focus directly on my clients. Uh, and that, that ultimately is the most important thing to me. It was, okay, now the ball's back in my court. I get to make most of the decisions. Um, and I kind of can take the, you know, the game in which direction I want it to. And, you know, in, in that aspect, you know, there's people in the stands, there's people on the sidelines, there's people in the field. And, you know, I'm going to quarterback every single time to get that win. Hey, that's so that's the entrepreneur mindset, man. Uh, so many people I come across, including myself, uh, you know, you know, I was with the Fortune 500 company before I was independent as a financial advisor. Uh, and it comes down to like, it comes down to, hey, you know what? I want to service my clients this way. This will be beneficial to my clients. And when you can't find that where you're at, you say, hey, you know what? I can go make it. Let me go make it. And let me service the clients the way they need to be serviced because if they're not getting help here, I, there's, then there's no place out there to help them. Let me go make one. <laughs> and that's kind of what you did. Yeah. It's kind of what I did. And it's what it really comes down to really trying to create value to the people we're trying to help, man. And that's, that's awesome that you are able to go out there and do that. Another thing you said, man, I want to make sure that I touch on because it is very important. And so many people fail because they don't do that, do that is, you made sure you had the reserves to give you that runway to build your business. Because if you don't have that reserves, that money set aside to get you through the first couple months, like I always talk about hockey stick growth, you know, a hockey stick goes like, you know, it goes, goes flat and goes up. People don't realize how long that flat part of that hockey stick is. So you might be working the business. And then if you're not bringing the income, because you don't have any, you don't have the right reserve set aside. You might fail. You might fail the business, not because you're not good at it, but because you don't have enough reserves. And I see so many people running into that. Or then it also forces people to kind of become jacks of all trades and trying to service everybody and figuring everything out because they just need to bring some income in. And and in and that's another way to fail. You can't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. But when you have that reserves, it allows you to think rationally. So that was really wise of you, man. And, I, and especially being young, you know, not that many young people think that way. So I'm glad you did that, man. I'm glad you're still here with us today. And I'm glad we can still have you as a resource when it comes to real estate needs, man. So talk to us about real estate. What was your first year like? Yeah. So um, again, it's, 
when, uh, when everybody kind of started seeing, um, you know, some of the, the issues coming in with COVID and, um, seeing, um, what the effects were becoming, uh, I, I really honed in on my economics, um, geopolitical scenarios, um, just really listening in on what markets were doing before we even got to the big influx or the dip of what we actually were seeing before we saw the inversion. So, um, with that, I, I just, I followed literally, um, earning reports. I, uh, was starting to really look at the, the treasury bar, um, treasury markets, really following, following the bonds, uh, seeing what the 30 year was doing, seeing what the uh, 10 year was doing. Um, again, um, for some of the listeners out there that aren't familiar, um, the 30 year treasury bond and the 10 year treasury bond are what basically follows with the actual, um, real estate interest rates. So, um, those are some of the things you could also look into yourself. You could actually go to the treasury.gov. Um, you can look at fed.gov as well. Um, and you can always see those details as well, but it's, um, you know, following these, these trends, following the data, um, right up into about October of 2019, um, I did see uh, the trends coming for um, not only somewhat of a bubble, but with what we were hearing geopolitically and as well as what was happening in China, um, how they started slowing down. So when that happened, we knew that our markets were going to continue to bolster, um, but we also had to deflate the value of our money to really compensate with the world markets. So when that happened, money's cheap to lend, right? What's going to happen at that point? Buyers are going to want to start getting money cheaper. Same thing for loans when you're going to buy a house. So um Seeing that coming really fast, I let my buyers and I let all my team, I let everybody know, hey, we need to take advantage of these markets that are coming. They're going to come really fast and we need to get on it. Every single person that bought with me in between 2019 of November to about July of 2020 made between sixty dollars to $100,000 to today. So some of my clients that bought with me that actually listened, did the, the research with me, dug deep in, um, was able to either sell their properties or buy new homes, which at this place right now, um, between either selling their properties and buying new homes, the average increase in equity over the past eight, I'm sorry, um, 14 months is about 60 to $100,000 on my clients specifically. Now the average trend is about 17% annual growth, but from there, Again, my clients are seeing closer towards like 37 to 40% return just based off of seeing those trends, knowing exactly when the buying opportunities were and now seeing today. So again, I, I have these conversations with my clients all day long to where, you know, if we listen and again, real estate, just like every other market cyclical. So there's no real bad time. It's just finding the right resources and honing in on the right opportunities to attack vigilantly at where we can actually market the best opportunity. Um, so again, in doing that, um, I, I just been to today, just really on top of the markets on, on data and research and we're closing on deals. I'm getting ready to go hand keys to a new client after we finish this podcast. Um, just finished up a deal on the other, um, on Monday, getting ready to give keys to another client uh, before I head to Hawaii tomorrow. And then we're going to Hawaii to sell some more real estate. So, um, just tons of opportunities, very excited for all the growth. And, uh, again, it's just, it's, it's data research and knowledge. And, and again, there's two things in a transaction is trust and knowledge. Once you know that you can trust the individual that you're working with, the next thing you got to worry about is making sure that person knows what they're talking about. And that's that knowledge piece. Exactly, man. So, that, that's one thing that you've done that a lot of real estate agents haven't done is that you mastered your craft. You took time to learn, to, 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 to get the knowledge base. You know, there's, there's a ton of real estate agents, you know, 
people jump into real estate like and think they're gonna be millionaires. But not every agent is the best for every client. And not every agent, excuse me, not every agent does the research and does the does the background research. And I, I had no clue that you were so analytical, actually. But that you know, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference on the opportunities that are there for your for your clients. That's what your clients all made money. That's why you're able to build your business, become so successful because you know you did the research on the back end, or on the front end, to make sure you approach this thing wisely in a way that's going to last. You know, you know, takes us back to when you and I were adults in 07, 08, and we saw people jump into real estate and make a ton of money. But where are they now? They're gone because they didn't have the they 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 didn't have the the the, the knowledge base to when things get tough to still last. And what you did was you 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 educated yourself, man. So that that's great. We're gonna pause here, take a commercial break here, work from our sponsors, and we're gonna jump right back into it. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your host and wealth advisor with Holmes Financial, Peyton Boyer. You know, many times what I do for my client is help them secure the peace of mind of knowing they have enough. You know, as millennials, it's easy to feel like we don't have enough. Enough to secure the financial future we're hoping for and also enjoy our lives now. But that's why one thing I do with all of my clients is what I like to call a money purpose plan and make sure that their current spending is aligned with what's most important to them. That way they're able to enjoy their life now while they track towards their financial goals. If you're interested in securing your money purpose plan, please reach out to me. You can contact me at my phone, 916-271-1974 or email me at Peyton, that's P-A-Y, T-O-N at Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, Finn, F-I-N dot com. I look forward to hearing from you. Let's get back to the show. All right, guys. So I'm back with Chemo. Hey, Chemo, man. You Thanks for sharing that, man. You are a master of your trade, and I really respect that. So speaking of being a master of your trade, we're going to talk about you being both California and Hawaii and how you've actually really taken advantage of Southern California, which so many Northern California Agents don't do. It's hard to get in that market. So let's talk about that. What'd you what'd you do to get in that Southern California market? It's so it seems like it's so saturated with those guys down there. But being a guy yeah. up here, how are we able to do it? Yeah, so um and I think that's a really great question, Peyton, because I think a lot of realtors find themselves getting stuck in their own backyards. Um again, we are state licensed for the state of California. And I always wanted to just expand outside of my uh, horizon. So uh, I, I have family down in uh, the Pismo Beach, uh, San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles area. Um, I have family um, and friends down in LA and down in San Diego. Um, so kind of just utilizing the resources that I have um, has, has helped really expand that. Now, I think that as well as uh, people seeing what I do, um, as well as my intense digital marketing, um, people are starting to really call and see the value of what I am doing. And I think that's really where the spark really opens up. Um, I've been down in Riverside County helping my good friend um, that was my roommate when I was younger. And, uh, you know, he was dealing with an agent and a lender that just wasn't giving them the right information and wasn't, you know, making things happen for them. So I ended up, um, you know, going down there and helping him out. We're uh, been working on, you know, getting him some properties. And uh, I also, you know, have also possibly hired a few agents down there 
um, that I've just been talking to through some other uh, networks. So um, hopefully going to be having agents that, again, I have agents in San Diego. I got agents in the Bay Area and, of course, all throughout the northern uh, Sacramento metropolitan area. Um, but to be able to really leverage, you know, our team throughout the, the state to, you know, be able to help service those clients to the best of our ability. Um, but, yeah, so, again, my friends and, and my family start seeing me selling high end as well as, you know, first time buying real estate, they seeing that, you know, Oh, he is doing some development stuff. Oh, he's in commercial. Oh, he actually knows what he's talking about. These people are actually liking him as well. And, you know, you know, the ratings are there and all the you know, things are, are coordinating with everything I'm doing. Um, things that we're doing are real and they, they have value and people are making a lot of money with, with what I can help them do. And, you know, it comes down to that snowball effect. You know, a lot of times your friends and family, they'll be the last ones to become clients because they knew you before you were a real estate agent. They're like, man, I don't know how long this guy's going to last, but eventually once they start seeing you really helping people and really helping people get in homes, like, oh, maybe he really is good at what he does. And it's been the same, right. same for me as well. And then you having that 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 family in SoCal, being able to reach down, they're like, I'm the same way, you know, my, I have a, I'm licensed in the state of California. It's a huge exactly. state. It's a huge state, but I'm, I, I gotta be, I, I'm guilty of staying in my own backyard and right. I'd like to expand my reach out there to SoCal and take advantage of at least, at least central California, at least move somewhere. Exactly. But um, talk to me about the digital presence. I gotta say, you've done a great job of branding yourself. So how'd you know to do that and how'd you go about doing it? Yeah. So I, um, back, uh, before I got into real estate, right before I was jumping into real estate, I, um, was, uh, I, I got into a, um, digital marketing school, uh, through, uh, Udacity, which is an online uh, learning service. And, uh, I ended up taking a, um, a, um, a, a degree course in digital marketing, um, and just understanding the landscape of digital marketing, um, you know, search engine optimizations, search engine marketing, um, you know, understanding data analytics and Google analytics, Facebook, Instagram, all those things, as far as their marketing and their ads, um, you start to really realize the exposure that you have through these platforms. Um, so again, going from something like door to door knocking or calling people, um, these are all things that are imperative to grow your businesses. But, uh, for me, I just always been, um, content driven and, um, deployment, right. And organization. So, um, with those things, I was able to really, um, identify what's going to be, um, going to be best to, to really maximize my exposure, but as well as, um, what people actually see. So just started again, building content and staying consistently engaged with my, uh, my markets, um, getting into a lot of these social marketplaces as well. And people are starting to just see me, they're finding me, I'm getting referrals from other clients. Um, and you've seen uh, some of the videos that I put out recently and people, they really see the, the, the value in what we're doing. Um, so again, when, when you're seeing, you know, me three, four times a day on the internet, and then you're seeing ads for me. And then you're walking in a public and people are like, Oh, I know you from somewhere. Oh, I've seen you from somewhere. It's like, Oh, you've probably seen one of my ads on Facebook or one of the social media platforms. And you know, that's where it starts really bolstering that um, opportunity for more growth. No, I love that, man. I love that fact that you are not just wearing 
the real estate agent hat. And so many of us do that. Like I've been guilty of myself is I'm a good financial advisor. I can give you guys a good plan. I'm a really good wealth manager. This is what I do well. Right. Uh, and the consulting side of the business. I love wealth consulting. I love that side of the business. But I, I'm not the best at marketing. I, like I don't realize that AI, if you're a business owner, you're also the marketing agent. You're more right. than you. And something, something that some people don't do, but you were smart to go, let's do some training. I know if I want to build a business, I got to be digital in today's world. It expands my reach so much. It's probably why you're, you have a brand in Southern California because you're able to reach those people. And that's something that we as business owners need to make sure we're taking advantage of. And if we don't know it, take time to learn it. Just like you did, man. Cause Hey, absolutely. That was a definite win for sure. I'm sure, I'm sure whatever you invest in that class has come back tenfold. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so let's kind of talk about, you know, I, I love the stories you share on, on um, on your uh, online, I've seen like your brand, like helping people get in homes. What has that been like, man, to really impact those people's lives, man? I've seen them in tears, man. What's that? And I, and I, I know the feeling because I've helped my clients the same thing. Like clients who think they're never going to be able to buy a home, or clients who think they're never going to have emergency in emergency reserves, and changing that and getting out of debt. It's it's such an awesome blessing to be in the position that you and I are in. So what's that right. been like for you, man? Share that with us. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of where my why's come into place, right? Um, you know, not only just your family and, and your, your spouse and, uh, your, you know, everything that, that why you wake up and why you want to do all the things to do, um, but some of the affirmations that really sit with me is when I'm going out for my runs or, you know, I'm, I'm you know, looking for motivation, um, I start thinking about my clients that, you know, were lost everything in the pandemic and they were living in one room um, in a house full of smokers with their four children. And, you know, they were basically almost homeless. Like they didn't have really anywhere to go. And they, you know, found me. Um, they started really working hard to make their lives and their lifestyles better. And like I said, I was able to give them keys last week and just all their kids giving me a hug and, you know, the family just crying and excited. Um, one of the first things the daughter said when she walked in the house, she's like, I could breathe. And it's just like, it's so heart wrenching that, you know, I'm doing something that serves very, very purposeful meaning to families, um, that are either seeking shelter or, or a home. Um, and, uh, from there, um, you know, I have other clients where, you know, I'm, I, they send me pictures of their kids playing on the play structure that, you know, I was able to just get them, you know, with the house that, you know, wasn't expecting to stay. And, you know, they send me a picture of their, their child, you know, playing on the play structure and, um, you know, another, another client who, uh, you know, basically was, uh, getting ready to buy a house with her fiance and the fiance turns out to be a jerk was cheating on her. And, you know, she ends up finding me and she's like, look, I still want to pursue this goal and this dream. I still want to buy a home and I'm going to pursue that. And, you know, nothing let her stop her from making her goals achieved. So um, all these things where, you know, you start seeing people remodeling their house and putting in their own little touches on it. And, uh, you know, just everything that about, you know, the purpose behind what I'm actually doing really helped resonate um, just the drive, the drive in general as to, yeah, no, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to try my hardest. You know, my other friend, I'm giving her keys today here in a little bit. And, you know, we, we've seen a ton of houses and people get discouraged. They're like, oh, you know, I'm getting bitted out. I'm getting bitted out. And it's like, no, you got to stick with me. I got you. I'm going to make this work. And sure enough, you know, end up, you know, killing a deal on, I mean, getting a great deal basically on a, um, on an off market listing, like a friend that my was getting to put in the exact area she wanted. And, you know, now it's just, it's that, 
that patience factor and relying on your professional and, you know, we'll make it happen for you. No, that's great, man. It's, you said the why and the purpose, and that's what it is, man. It's more than a job to make money. You know, yeah, we were blessed that we both make good money doing what we do. But the reason why we continue to do it is because it's we're able to help people. You, it feels so good to help somebody reach a goal they feel that they couldn't do. And you know they couldn't do it on their own. And that's awesome, man. That's kind of what gives you that drive. And we've talked about a lot about helping families and and like you and I were on a run. You and I were on a run. Or I should say I was on a run. You were more on a, a walk jog, <laughs> trying to trying to keep trying to slow down with me because you left me in the dust. But I'm preaching not not completely dusting. No way. But <laughs> but yeah. So so we're out together, and you got a call, and I got this guy was on a call while I was running out of breath. He was able to take a call <laughs> and talk business, but. That's neither here nor there, <laughs> but I could tell you talking talking to one of your agents and telling them like just encouraging her, helping her, guide her. And then we got back to the house eventually, and then we're sitting back at your house, and you were saying you were saying like I feel like I should be doing something, but I've delegated a lot. Like everything's getting done, and I'm just and I just have free time, and that that's a strange that's a strange position for. Any of us as entrepreneurs would be in there, it makes us kind of feel funny, but it's because you've done the right thing. So talk to us what that's been like to, to reach that point in your business. And so you so fresh into it to already reach this point to where you're able to have your team handle things and trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's, so kind of going back to November, right. Um, I, I had a really good end of the last year. Um, but December and, and January were just really, really slow months for me. Um, and in that time, I just, I didn't stop doing the things that were necessary to continue to grow my business. I kept creating content and putting that online. I kept, you know, talking with, you know, opportunities and calling people and, and, you know, when things got a little bit slower, you know, doing those door knocks and, you know, handing out flyers and trying to, you know, figure out ways to better grow my business. Um, so consistency is key. And that's what really helped me to get to the next point because then it was January, right? I, I'm, I mean, let me go back a little bit. So in, in December, when I was a little bit slower, I was able to write down my goals every single day, which you should be. I was able to, you know, write down everything that I'm doing and have that completely structured and, and organized. Um, and organization, you know, is the next big component that's really helped me, you know, identify what needed to be done. You know, come, come January, I just was slammed. I was completely slammed. My, my phone would not stop ringing. It, to this day, it still hasn't stopped ringing. Um, and, and it's just... Uh, the whole opportunity, you know, that was, you've got to keep doing the things that require you to make your business grow. Once you get to a place that where you could hand off some of your workload, that's where, excuse me, pardon me, the change shifted to where now, again, yesterday I had to have an all hands on deck meeting with my team because I am leaving to Hawaii tomorrow to be able to say, okay, well, I need you to be able to do this, this, and this. I need these follow-ups with these. And again, it, it comes to the point to where when you are the major producer for the corporation, you need to be able to let your team um, leverage that for you, but as well as bring you those bigger opportunities so you could help them better their businesses as well. So again, right now, um, one of the things that, you know, was a, a question was, you know, lead, lead generation, right? People are always like, Oh, where do I get leads? Where do I find out these opportunities? Well, you know, I've been bringing a lot of those opportunities myself and it just comes to a point to where, you know, my biggest thing, of course, is like we said earlier, servicing my clients. I'm going to be in Hawaii. These people still need to get taken care of. 
Am I going to have my laptop on me on the beach? Absolutely. Am I going to be on Zoom calls and meetings the whole, you know, some of the times I'm going to be there? Most definitely. However, it's so important that I can say, hey, this person's going to get you into this door. This person's going to open that house. This person's going to do this. And when we got to that place, my team's feeling empowered. They feel valued. They feel that we're actually out for their best interest because not only am I saying here, here's opportunities, here's some leads, let, let's work this together. Let me help show you how I coordinate and how I do this so you can emulate that and hopefully take that and transfer into your own business practices. If not, bring me the opportunities and we'll still help you leverage me to help you get where you need to get to your next position. So, um, you know, just leverage in general has been, has been awesome to be able to go between, you know, each, um, each, each team member, but as well as show them feel empowered to know that they are valued within this entity. You know, that's awesome, man. You've been blessed to really build people up. And, and there's so many people who think about themselves, like as a one man, one man show, and they don't take time to reach back down there and build another one up and then build the vision together. And, I think a lot of it comes down to just that word vision, helping the members on your team see the vision for the entity, for the business, like what our overall vision is. So what has that been like for you? Like what, how, or how do you do it? How have you been able to paint the vision to get buy-in from these agents to realize that you're the guy that can take them to the next level? Yeah. And it it goes back to the knowledge piece, right? Um, I, there's, you know, there's things that entrepreneurs do and there's things that we, we hear about all day long and there's, you know, um, motivational, you know, people out there that you can listen to that'll tell you the same things. Wake up early, right? Like get your day started, you know, work out, try to keep your mind fresh and, and you know, make sure that you're, you're challenging yourself. Um, but on top of all those things, it's also things like meditation and thinking inwardly and organizing your thoughts, not just going out and just being all over the place. Um, so there's a lot of things that I do personally that put me in a mindset to really channel the energy per se that I think people see and feel within me. Um, I, I think that my biggest thing is, is really, you know, it starts with you. Everything starts with inside of you. And you, if you're not the best version of yourself, you can't be that for anybody else. So when I wake up early and I'm again, reading my uh, earnings reports for, um, you know, certain, um, companies that I'm, I'm following. Uh, if I'm, you know, not checking, you know, the treasury bond market yields, um, if I'm not checking real estate news, um, consistently in California, um, then there's no real value in the knowledge factors. And that's the biggest thing is, is every single week I'm telling my team, Hey, make sure you're checking these things, you know, hone in with your loan officers, make sure you're checking these news reports. And that's the biggest thing is, is people like, Oh, well, he really does know what he's saying. And that's, that's the part we were talking about earlier is the knowledge pieces. It's so important that people see the value that you do know what you're talking about. And then they can actually say, Oh, well, let me go Let me go verify that myself. Let me go to the treasury.org. Let me go to Freddie Mae, Fannie Mac. Let me go to, you know, California Association of Realtors, you know.org to verify, you know, if his information is correct. And those are resources that are legitimate places that you can actually go and, and fact check everything I say. Um, and when people feel, oh, well, this guy really does know what he's talking about. But on top of that, um, the idea that we are a family. Like we create that team um, aspect of we can all grow together, right? It's not just you know every man for himself. And I think that you know in such not only in, in the entrepreneurial world, but as well as um, you know sales, uh, it gets very competitive um, and somewhat. I like to use the word aggressive because I think there's a good form of aggression versus negative aggression. And the way that people interpret that is 
you know, you need to have somebody that's going to, you know, fight for you, but you also don't want to have somebody that's, that, that, you know, thinks that, you know, it's all about them and it's, you know, they're out to just win for them specifically. No, it's, it's a, it's a two part thing. It's my client and it's me. And connectively, we're going to find out the best opportunity. But, um, like I said, I think that my team, uh, really values that I do know what I'm talking about, but as well as they know that if they come to me with an opportunity, I will help them create a, um, a value in that need. No, that's a great answer, man. That's the trend I've been seeing with you throughout this phone call, throughout this zoom call, man, it's just that you did research, you make sure you have the knowledge, you keep doing what needs to be done. Even when things are good and when things are bad, you got, you got to do the things that need to be done. You got to keep continuing to sharpen the, sharpen your ax. As I like to say, you got to keep doing things that are, that are necessary because it's so easy, easy to, in our businesses or any entrepreneur world to have a really great month and then to sit back and chill. I have a really bad month and feel like and not be motivated to do anything. But there's things that to bring that bring continued success are little things that you keep doing. Regardless of what's going on, you gotta make sure these things get done. Another thing is, man, you you've got a passion to help people. You like helping people. I can tell right away. You like first you're helping your clients, now you're helping your agents help their clients and help their families as well. So I know you're getting ready to go to Hawaii here. So we're getting close to the end of this podcast. But let's kind of talk about what your life is like now. Like it's it today is Wednesday. You're going to Hawaii on a Thursday, your hometown, taking your beautiful fiance, your son. Well, what but you're still working. So what's your what's your role like now as kind of like CEO role, leader role? And what's your day-to-day life kind of like? Yeah, again, um with uh with more opportunities, more success comes more responsibilities. Um, again, the drive behind, um, what we really instill as far as, um, what our goals are, right. Is, is that independence? Um, but also the, the feelings that we have as being empowered to love what we do. Um, so, uh, again, my whole, uh, days consist of waking up early to working out first thing in the morning to making sure that, you know, my, my body's, you know, strong for a strong mind, um, and, and essentially from there, it's, it's just, you know, trying to organize as much as I can. Um, I'm hiring an assistant recently just to be able to, you know, take on some of that as well. But, um, the biggest thing is I'm always engaging with, uh, with my team and my business. So when those things come, um, into, uh, consideration, mm-hmm. some of my other rules are answering my phone within a couple minutes, you know, today's, you know, I let everybody know I'm going into this podcast. So we got to, you know, put the phone down, but I, I never, you know, um, I, I never, you know, let my clients really think that I'm not there for them. So, uh, whenever, um, whenever, you know, they call, I'm always available. And, and that's kind of where it's tough where, right. So I get to really enjoy being an independent. I get to enjoy being um, a business owner. Um, but with that, again, my phone does not stop ringing. Uh, I enjoy, you know, time with my family. Like I said, it's going to be a beautiful vacation. We're now, you know, some great times, but there will be times where I will be on the beach, you know, writing up offers or, you know, calling listing agents or calling buyers agents and trying to figure out, you know, how we can make things happen for our clients still. And again, that's one of the beautiful things about our business to where we get to really leverage our own time to what we want to do. Um, but as well as, you know, really trying to figure out uh, where, where I can put parameters and really, again, leverage my team as well to where I can still focus on, you know, my personal life, but as well as my, my business, um, as well. 
Yeah, I, it's that work-life balance. One thing you mentioned was getting up and working out, doing meditation. Like episode two, back in November, we had a health and wellness consultant. And to be the best you, you got to do that. You got to take care of you. If you're going to be the best, you got to make sure that you're taking care of you because many cases in the entrepreneur world, no one's, no one else is. So you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself so you can put your best foot forward, your best self forward. And another thing is that, you know, that balancing act of being present. You know, you want to be present for your clients, but you also want to be present when you're with your family. And you don't want to be halfway in either one. So that's an act right. that we're all, we're all trying to figure out. It's like that unicycle guy juggling. I'm right. with you on that one too. And and next is, you know, we don't always, we, we get in the role, we get in that position where we feel like we always need to put out all the fires. Like it's got to be us putting out all the fires. Like the the clients need us. They got to have us. They got to talk to us. And that's not always the case. We we like to think it is. We like to think that we are that valuable, but it's not always the case. Like, a lot of times, like like you, my clients, they like to be able to contact me, but they don't. They realize they don't always need to talk with me. They don't always need to schedule a consultation with me. When, when every little thing comes up, we'd like to be that that solve all. But hey, we had to realize we've trained great people. We've got great people in us who can handle these things, and we gotta trust them. And we're not always needed. So when we're on the beach, we don't necessarily have to have our laptop there all the time. We like to think we do. But the reality is, right. hey, you know, some, there's some things, things will get done without us there. And that's because of things that we have done to put us in this position. So, Kimo, you've been an awesome guest, man. And we're getting close. This is the last question of the podcast. I asked everybody um, on this podcast the same thing. Uh, you know, the words financial success, it means different things to different people. It means different things to the same people at different times. But today, man, 2021, on the way to Hawaii with you and your family, I gotta say you're a financial success. But what does the words financial success, what, do, what does it mean to you? I don't wanna think of a dollar amount. I wanna think more of a lifestyle. What does that quality life look like to you? What does a financial successful life, lifestyle look like to you, Chemo, 2021? Absolutely. Um, financial success to me uh, looks like um, definitely the leverage. Um, that, that's, that's a key component. Um, and, and I definitely say, aside from that, it's, uh, the ability to move freely within your own creative mind. So, uh, with that, um, the ability to, again, utilize your resources to better where you are to get to the next place you want to be. No, that, that, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you for sharing that, man. You've been an awesome guest. I'm going to leave some contact information for you for, to our listeners in the, in the show notes where they can come check out some of your content, see some of the people you helped, and also get in contact with you if they need to get in contact with a realtor. As far as real estate agents, are you looking for adding more members to your team right now or are you kind of at capacity? Um, my thing is, is, and I think that's the biggest thing about what we do, uh, Peyton, is is. I, we love people, right? We're people, people. And, um, I, I want to give anybody the opportunity if they have questions, if they want to grow, if they want to know more about real estate, they want to get into real estate. Um, they already have a license. They want to talk to, you know, what we have as far as our opportunities. I'm always willing to help people grow in their next steps. So, um, we're always looking for great opportunities and, in, uh, in, in individuals. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Kimo, you've been an awesome guest listeners. Thanks for listening. And as always, God bless. Have an awesome week. Thank you everyone. Thank you for having me again. 
Congratulations, guys. You've officially made it to the disclosure portion of the show. I'm an investment advisor representative of securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company, Financial Services, Inc. BFCFS member FINRA-SIPC. Holmes Financial is independent of BFCFS. Thanks, and have a blessed week.